0: I remember that from, from two weeks ago? You remember? Some of y'all remember from 1929, don't you? Oh yeah, I was at that football game. I remember. Yeah, it was January 1st, 1929, and uh, California and George Tech were playing in the Rose Bowl, and Roy Regal went the wrong way. He ran like 62 yards the wrong way, and that's what he's infinitely famous for. But I want to read to you what some of the things were said that day and later on uh, about Roy Regal. Um, the, the opposing coach, the coach... Of Georgia Tech said this he's running the wrong way let's see how far he can go and I would imagine the opposing coach saying that and you know what? in failure your, your opposition your enemies those that oppose you will say that's great just keep right on failing going as far as you can go and then the announcer that day said this what am I seeing What's wrong with me? Am I crazy? Am I crazy? Am I crazy? He just could not believe what his eyes were seeing. And frankly, sometimes when we're in the midst of failure, we don't see it. Those around you are going, what am I seeing? Am I crazy? Am I crazy? Am I crazy? Because people can't believe how we often just bask in our own failures. Now, here's what Roy said. Roy Regal said this to the coach. Coach, I can't do it. I've earned you. I've earned myself. I've earned the University of California. I couldn't face that crowd to save my life. Even though it was halftime, to Roy, it was game over. He cannot ever imagine going back on the football field. But I want to read to you what his incredible coach said to him that day. Roy, get up and go back out there. The game is only half over. Amen. The game is on. And I don't know. I want to talk about today. I want to talk on a individual level. I want to talk on a church level. I want to talk on a a government community state level. And I, I want to tell you this. We all have had failures. We know this. Our country's experiencing some failures in some pretty big areas in our life right now. But I want you to know something with God. As long as you're not dead, the game is only half over. And God's message to us today would be saying, Get up, get back out there, the game is only half over. So if you'll take your copy of the Word of God today and turn to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. And, and the points today in the message actually give a great formula for what I'm trying to say. Now because I've started using P words, the first one says... It begins with a changed preacher. Now, I want you to understand ongoing, though, that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, that point is not talking about a a paid guy, holy man, if you will. It's talking about... Those who are called to follow Jesus Christ and every one of us who have been called to follow Jesus Christ are, in a sense, a proclaimer, a preacher of what Jesus Christ could do. So in Jonah chapter three and verse number one, here's how it begins. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now, remember the call came the first time? I want you... Now, he was a prophet, okay? His job was to proclaim. And so, I want you to go to, 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 to Nineveh. He said, no, I'm going to go to Tarshish. He got on a ship. He ran. Great storm. They threw him overboard. All right? I think, again, either he had a near-death experience or a death experience. The, the giant fish comes along, sucks him up, spends three days and, and three nights in the belly of of, of the fish... And then God calls us to fish, to spit him up on dry land. And so, I want you to start with this. Are you ready? The guy that went to Nineveh was a changed man. The guy who went to Nineveh was a changed man. The guy who finally made it to Nineveh was a man that God had dramatically changed in great, big ways. And here's what I want you to take home. You need to understand... Is that even though we fail, that God is a God of second chances. Now, we miss this. Now, come on now. Come on. We missed this. You, have you ever just picked up the Word of God and just sort of read some some stories about people? Do you understand that this is a book about second chance people? I mean, look at Adam and Eve. They had it made. They They were in a perfect situation, a perfect garden, all right, and... Lo and behold, they choose to rebel against God. And yet, because of God's amazing grace, they got a second chance. We, we look at a guy named Abraham. Abraham was a pagan that God called. And lo and behold, he, I mean, he messes up multiple times. I mean, if you're a husband, you can really get this. I mean, if you're a wife, you can really understand it. You know, when he went to Egypt and told his wife, I said, Now listen, if they, if they think that you're my wife, they'll kill me so they can have you. Just say you're my sister. Not good for the marriage. Come on, not good for the marriage. And that wasn't all. I mean, he had multiple failures. How about Moses? I mean, Moses murdered a guy. And Moses had to spend 40 years in the backside of the desert just so God could use him for 40 years, leading the people of God. And there's this guy named David. King David. David and Bathsheba. Not to mention David, who had Uriah, the husband, murdered so he could have Bathsheba. Remember him? I mean, it's, uh, just take a moment, sometime, and read through the book. You're going to discover this. That there are no perfect people in the Bible besides Jesus Christ. They all had failures in their life. Who could forget the story of Peter? I mean, Peter's the guy who, who looked at Jesus and said, You know, Jesus, all these other guys are going to deny you, but I want you to know something, I'm not going to. Like, an hour and a half later, some 14-year-old girl walks up to him and says, Weren't you with Jesus? And he goes, No, I wasn't with Jesus. Somebody else walks up. But weren't you with Jesus? I wasn't with Jesus. Finally, somebody else walked up. Were you with Jesus? I wasn't with Jesus. Three times. I mean, like an hour after he said, I'll never deny him. Man, he denies Jesus three times. And yet, God turned right around and used that guy to preach on Pentecost, and 3,000 people were saved. Come on, isn't that incredible? It's just an amazing thing how God You know, James and John, the sons of Alphaeus, you know what their nickname was? The Sons of Thunder. It wasn't because they had booming voices. It was because they had a horrible temper problem. I mean, one day, a village rejected Jesus and didn't want Jesus to come in. And he looked at Jesus and said, you want us to call down fire and we'll just burn them up? And these were followers of Jesus. And then there's this guy named John Mark. You may not know John Mark too well. But you will in just a moment. John Mark was a guy who is famous in the book of Acts. Um, Paul and Barnabas were going on a mission trip. And so Barnabas said, why don't we take John Mark with us? And Paul said, okay, he's like a nice guy. He goes along and guess what John Mark does? He quits. Things got a little hot. A little bit of satanic activity. A little satanic opposition happened. And John Mark said, I'm out of here. And then later on, when Paul and Barnabas were going to go out again, Barnabas said, what do you think about John Mark? I'm not taking that loser with me. Read it. It's in the Bible. I will not take that man with me. And the tearing apart, the contention between Paul and Barnabas was so great, they went their separate ways. And Paul got a new partner. Later on, Paul realized that, you know what, there's value in John Mark. And he spoke favorably of John Mark. But so did God. You know why? It was John Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. He interviewed Peter. He wasn't an eyewitness of the ministries of Jesus. He he interviewed Peter and said, Peter, tell me what it was like to walk with Jesus. And God allowed Mark to write the third Gospel that we have in our New Testament. There's a lot of people in in the New Testament that are second chance People, I want to tell you something. Look me dead in the eye. I don't want you done. But I know this. I'm looking at about 340 sinners today, and every one of us have failures. Come on now. I mean, if you're perfect, raise your hand and correct me right now. But the truth is, all of us have sinned against Holy God. Some have experienced grace and forgiveness. Some have not yet done that. But all of us have sinned, and I promise you, every one of us has failed. But we serve a God. Who's the God of second chances. And certainly we see in the case of Jonah here that Jonah was a man who experienced a second chance. Now, we heard an incredible lesson today in Sunday school by Greg Rochelle of LifeChurch.tv. And he talked about this. And it's something someone here needs to hear this today. And that is this. That failure is an event. It is not a person. Satan will tell you, when you fail, Satan, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, Jonah heard from the evil one that day when he turned against God. And I'm telling you, the evil one was saying, you know, you're a failure. You're just nothing but a failure. There's no hope for you. How can God use you? Because Satan wanted to keep Jonah away from Nineveh at all costs. And someone today needs to hear this. That there is junk in your past. And you're equating yourself, I am a failure. No, you failed. You are not a failure. And there is a world of difference. Failure is an event. It is not a person. In fact, I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to look you in the eye and tell you today. That if you are breathing today, I want you to know that God sees you as fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on. God sees you as fearfully and wonderfully made. I know society may say you're not. Society may say you're junk. Society may say you're an outcast. Society may say you don't matter, that you can't be redeemed. And God says, I'm in the business of redeeming. And God would tell you that I'm a God of second chances. But here's the deal. Jonah got a second chance because he did something. And the word is he repented. He repented. The process goes something like this. There is a failure. There is then repentance. After repentance comes God's amazing grace. And after God's amazing grace, you move forward. Can I do it one more time? We fail. We repent. We then experience God's grace. And then we move forward. Please understand this clearly. Are you hearing me? Without repentance, you do not open the door for the God of second chances. When Peter sinned, the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. He was broken over his sin. Now, repentance, and and I I just can't come up with a better illustration, repentance means this. I'm going in this direction, and to repent means I turn around and go this way. That's what repentance is. Now, we often confuse repentance and remorse. Remorse is not repentance. Remorse means I'm sorry for what I did. There's, it's that natural response that we have. We naturally say, I feel bad when, when you offend someone, when, when you misspeak, when you, when you look at something you shouldn't look on the computer, when you're speeding and, and you look in the rearview mirror and there's those lights you really don't want to see. You know, when you hear the song, I saw the light, that's one you don't want to see. That's one you don't want to see. And so, and you feel this instant remorse I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But remorse and repentance is not saying Remorse is the natural, but repentance is the best. And that means that when I fail, I say, God, I'm turning. Watch now. I'm turning from that failure, from that sin, and I'm going in this direction. And when you do that, you're going to discover God's amazing grace. You're going to discover the God of second chances. But I cannot overspeak. The thought that repentance is necessary. I am certain that one of the problems that we have um, in life, one of the problems that we have individually in churches and certainly as a nation, we have a nation of remorsers, but we don't have a nation of repenters. And there's all the difference in the world. Um, Never, never forget. Never will forget. You know, when when Bill Clinton got caught in the sexual skin, when he finally owned up to it, he said, I'm sorry. And what he was saying was, I'm not sorry I had the affair. I was sorry that I got caught. And that's when you're saying, I'm sorry I got caught, you have not reached the point of repentance. So the word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah. But the reason why the word came the second time was because Jonah was willing to repent. If you're willing to repent today, you will run smack dab into the grace of God. If you don't repent today, if you're not willing to repent today, you're going to run smack dab into uh, consequences, uh, miserable circumstances, and you're going to find yourself walking outside of the blessings and the fellowship with God. Okay? Now, here's what, verse 2, he says this. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message, I'll tell you. Have you ever wondered why God sent Jonah to Nineveh instead of... um, um, If if Assyria had a Muddy, okay, or, or Nineveh, why didn't God send him to Muddy? Because God knew the power of the cities. Did you hear the song we sang? He's the God of this city. Greater things have been done in this city. Have you figured out yet... The power and influence that cities hold in America? Now, this is not a political statement, but let me make it. When Governor Quinn ran last time for governor, he won by a very narrow margin. And I think, you can correct me later, I think he carried, out of all the counties in Illinois, he carried five counties. It just so happens, there's one downstate county, if I remember correctly... But all the other counties were Chicago. The power of the city is that the cities, to a large degree, will control the influence and the moral culture of America. If you ever want a reason why we should support North American missions, if you want to know why it's important that we send mission groups to our own cities, it's because the cities culturally impact our nation. So God sent Jonah not to muddy but to Nineveh, an exceedingly great city. Verse 3. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large and a three-day walk. It took three days to see Nineveh, if you will. All right? So this changed man, this changed preacher, now goes to the city of Nineveh. Now watch what happens. We see a changed people. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city. And proclaim. Now, it's important to no, know. Let me say it one more time because it's that important. The guy who showed up in Nineveh was a changed man. God uses changed people to change the world. Say it again. God uses changed people to change the world. If we want to see our culture change, then God is going to use... Changed people to do that. So he gets up and he goes to Nineveh and, and he preaches this message. And this message... Well, let me read verse 5 to you. Here's the message. Here's what he proclaimed. In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. In 40 days... Now, we won't talk about the significance of the number 40 in the Bible, but it is very much a significant number. But what I want you to see is this. In the Holman Christian Standard, and it's not too far off from any translation that you have today, that sermon was seven words long. Seven words long. I think we all, and by the way, no comments from the peanut gallery about short sermons and long sermons. I know, I know, I know. Someone (laughs) would say, Pastor, could you master that technique? We would get to be the Methodists every week to the restaurants. Seven words long. And I want you to see something. I'm going to say it now. I'm going to say at the end of this point is this. How is it that a seven-word message could have the results we're fixing to hear about? And the reason is, is because it's not about the speaker. It's about God. The results we're fixing to see did not happen because of seven words spoken by a person. I mean, you know, it wasn't like Jonah got there and said, In 40 days! In 40 days. In 40 days! I'm telling you, it's in 40 days. You can mark it to the back. In 40 days! Now, God, 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 God is going to destroy. And I do mean destroy. I mean annihilate. I'm talking about wiping out the city of Nineveh. And I do mean your city. No. See, it's not in the delivery. It's not if a person stands up and runs around or speaks loud or speaks soft... The reason the results happened was because it wasn't about the preacher. It was about God. The only part the preacher played was the fact that he had been changed by God. And changed people are used by God to change the world. So he preaches the seven words. And by the way, do you know something missing? Do you see? And if you'll repent, I hope you'll repent. Please repent. No. It was a statement of judgment. There was not even an altar call. I mean, it would have gone something like this. They wouldn't have sang three hymns. They wouldn't have taken an offering. There would have been no special music. He got up and said, here's the message from God. In 40 days, Nimrod's going to be destroyed. Now go home. No, No altar call. But the power of God was so great... On that man and the powerful message of God, spoken clearly, yielded these results. The men of Nineveh believed in God. No, 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 Southern Gospel band, no rock band to preclude the preacher, preclude the preacher. None of that. Just God's word and the power of God on that resulted in the men of Nineveh. Believing in God. Let me tell you what they believed. They believed that God was going to destroy their city. That was the message. They didn't say, oh, God wouldn't do that. How could a loving God destroy our town? They didn't rashly and say, but don't you understand? We're Assyrians. We're not even Jews. We don't even worship this God. Let's turn to our God and see. None of that. The message was so clearly and powerfully spoken that they believed in God. Now, folks, there's power in that. Because God uses a changed man to change the world. And God wants to use His people today to change this world. But in order for that to happen, in order for us to be uh, used of God, we've got to be a changed people. In order to be a changed people, we've got people who, once again, who've got to give up on the I'm sorry God and turn from our sin and choose to walk a different way. And I honestly believe... That when we do that, and by the way, it starts at Dorsville, it starts at First Baptist, it starts at Little Chapel, it starts at Bankston Fork, it starts at First Presbyterian, it starts at First Methodist. It's true for every church. When God's people start being changed by God, living changed lives, then God can reach out and use us to change our world. And I think you'd agree with me today that the world needs changing. The world needs changing. The Bible says... That these folks proclaimed a fast. Now, that proves they definitely were not bad. This because we don't fast. My fast lasts usually from about 9 o'clock till 12. Breakfast and lunch in between there. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. Now, there's two things I want you to take home. Again, it's not you. If you're sitting there today, Dwayne, I can't teach a class. Dwayne, I can't sing in the choir. I can't bring special music. I can't do this and I can't do it. I can't share Christ. I can't be a witness. Um, I can't, I can't. Would you please hear me? With God, all things are possible. What you may not even be naturally talented to do, God can do through you. May I once again, I do this occasionally. May I once again point you to approximately a 14-year-old virgin who God said, I want to use you to bear the Son of God. And that virgin said, how can these things be? Seeing I have never known a man. And, and the angel said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And, and you're going to conceive. And with God, say it with me, all things are possible. All we've got to do is recognize it's about God and it's not about us. And one more time, God uses changed people to change the world. So we have a changed preacher and we have a changed people. And when you have a preacher, and remember that's us, when we have a changed people in the church, and we have a, that leads to a changed people in society. And when you have those two things, you end up with a changed politician. Come on now. Come on, talk to me. Look with me, please. Verse 6. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Now, I want you to get this. When the king got the word that the people are repenting, the king got on board and changed his own life. If there is a hope for this country, if there is a formula of revival for this country, this is it. If you're waiting on President Obama or whoever, if Mitt Romney's elected... In in November, if you're waiting for revival to start in the White House, you might be waiting a long time. But I'll tell you what I know. What I know is this. When revival breaks out in the church, revival is going to break out in society. And when revival breaks out in society, those elected officials, because they're elected by the people and for the people, are going to get the idea, we better change what we're doing in America. But until God's people get on fire for God, until God's people are willing to put aside their own differences and their, their own beliefs and adopt the beliefs of God, it ain't going to happen. we got to get over our pettiness and our and our own agendas and get on path with God and say, God, it's what you want for America that matters. And when the church gets on fire, we're going to start winning people to Jesus. And I tell you what, you get somebody one to Jesus, that first year or two, they're really fired up. You get them all fired up, I'm telling you, We can change the course of America. Do you believe that today? Do you believe it? But you might be saying, can I make a difference? And I shared with Brent Sunday night, or excuse me, Monday morning, he preached about the demon-possessed man in Gadaria. And I shared with him the rest of the story, how that man looked at Jesus and said, can I come with you? He said, no, I want you to go back and tell your friends What what you've done? The Bible says he preached in the ten cities. A chapter and a half later, Jesus shows back up in the land of Gadarenes. Instead of being run off, they meet him ashore with a man who's a deaf mute, and Jesus heals that man. And then, about five verses later, it talks about Jesus healing or Jesus feeding four thousand men plus women and children. How did that change occur? In a land that was Satan's stronghold. How was it? What happened? One man obeyed God. One man, when Jesus said, you go and preach and tell what God's done for you. He was foolish enough to believe that God could do something big through him. And just a chapter and a half later, when Jesus lands on the shore, he is greeted and miracles are done. And just a little further than that, Jesus feeds probably 7,000 people. Are you understanding that God can do it? We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't affect the change that's needed in America, but God can. But when we're changed, God can use changed people to change our world. I'm telling you folks, if you haven't been shook up yet by the moral culture In America, and may I say this even stronger than the anti God culture in America? You better let this deal with Chick fil A rattle you to your core. When you have elected officials such as the mayor of Boston and the mayor of Chicago. Basically telling Chick-fil-A, because you don't believe in gay marriage, why don't you pack up and get out of our town? When you have elected officials saying you don't have free speech and you don't have freedom of religion, we're in trouble, folks. We're in trouble. Imagine the uproar. If all of a sudden the mayor of Carbondale said to J.C. Penney, who, by the way, J.C. Penney has, as their spokesperson... The uh, What's her name? Ellen DeGeneres. That's their spokesperson. And their Mother's Day ad, they had two moms. And their Father's Day ad, they had two dads. Imagine the mayor of Carbondale telling J.C. Penney, because of your position, then you need to be leaving Carbondale. Imagine the uproar. Well, where have we come when elected officials... Because solely because Sam Cathy said, I'm a Christian and I don't believe in same-sex marriage. Tells them to get out of town. I'm telling you, if you are asleep at the wheel concerning the culture of America, you better wake up because that little grandchild of yours or that son or daughter of yours or you are going to live in America and you're not going to recognize. I'm just telling you. You want to do something about it? Oh, silence. You want to do something about it? It begins with admitting our failures. It then moves to repenting of our own sin. It then means us experiencing God's grace and we become changed. And God uses changed people to change the world. It happened in 1776. There are enough good old Christian boys and girls who said, we're going to make a nation that's different. And that nation is going to be founded on judeo Christian values. That's how it started. And it can start again. It can start again. So, the king, I mean, he goes all along. Verse 7. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh by order of the king and his nobles. No man or beast, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both man and beast must, must be covered with sackcloth. Now, he went further. And everyone must call out earnestly to God. Can you imagine that? A decree coming from the upper echelons of government. saying, Not saying you can't pray in school, but you better pray in school. Come on now. Not, not saying well, you can't mention God. He's saying you better mention God. And then he says, watch this. He goes further. Each must turn from his evil ways. Each must repent and from the violence that he is doing. And here's why. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from His burning anger so that we will not perish. This pagan king who didn't know Jehovah God said, Who knows? If we turn, maybe God will turn. If we turn, maybe God will not destroy our city. How incredible. Folks, it's not too late. There's some naysayers out there who will tell you it's too late for America. No, it's not. I I said, no, it's not. But if we want to see change in America, we are going to have to step up and allow God to change us because God uses changed people to change the world. Have you figured I want you to remember that today yet? God uses changed people to change the world. And changed people... Act differently. Speak differently. Do differently. They do different things. The Bible says we're peculiar. And some of us have figured it out a long time ago. It's kind of weird. Kind of weird. So what happens? We have a changed preacher who leads to a changed people, who leads to a changed politician that leads to a changed plan. Sure enough, listen to this. God saw their actions. Now, by the way, you see that? Have you figured out something? Let me tell you something. God is not interested in unheartfelt words. God knows His actions, not sermons. Words are weak. Actions are strong. God saw the evidence of their change by their actions. And by the way, I don't think they just all of a sudden started going to church. I think the best way they knew how, they understood that involved more than worshipping this God in the sense of going to a building, it impacted the way they do business. Maybe that's why the, the king said, you must turn from the violence that you're doing. This is a very violent culture. Child sacrifice. Murder was normal. He says, you've got to change. You've got to turn from that. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had threatened to do to them, and he did not do it. Incredible. There's been a lot of talk. Are these the last days? Is America under the judgment of God? I've even heard, is the drought that, that 75% of the nation is experiencing? Is all this tied together, the judgment of God? I wouldn't be surprised, but I can't tell you I know that. And you would doubt it if I did. I'd just say, Dwayne, how do you know that? But I know this. That God is waiting to hear... From his people. God, we acknowledge our failures and we turn from those failures. Uh, Greg Rochelle said, You can't unsin, but you can repent. If you have an affair, you can't undo that affair. If you steal, you can't unsteal. If you tell a lie, you can't unlie, but you can turn from it. Come on now. You can turn from it. So we repent, we experience God's grace. And then, God just changes things. He's just changed people to change the world. I have a question. Did it stick? Here's something really sad. hundred years later. One hundred years later. Same city, Nineveh. Same message, repent. I'm going no no, I'm sorry. I'm going to destroy your city. Different preacher, Nahum, prophet. One hundred years later, none of said no thanks. And experienced the full wrath of God. That city that experienced God's forgiveness later experienced God's wrath and was totally and completely destroyed. Repentance isn't just, I'll, I'll turn until things get better, until my wife forgives me, until my mom and dad forgives me. You know, Repentance means really turning to go a different direction. Now, it doesn't mean you may not fail, but it means that God, my intent, my heart, the, the depths of my being, is I leave that behind and I go this way the way you want me to go. And that is what God's calling us to. So what about today? Are you willing to be the changed person that God can use to change our world? For some of you, that means trusting Jesus for the first time. And I know I'm using church language that you may not get, but the bottom line is this. The Bible says every person has sinned and that there's nothing we can bring to God's table That will even the scales out. That we are totally depraved. We're sinners. And God did something about that. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, down a cross similar to that. And He shed His blood because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about going to church. It's not about believing a certain dogma. It is understanding that you sin, God is holy and you're not. And truly from your heart, sincerely... Asking to forgive your sins. Believing He's the Son of God. And then choosing to live. Not for work's purpose. But choosing to live. To obey as our brother David said earlier. God blesses obedience. Some of you are there. And we're going to have a a time of decision in just a moment. I'll be waiting down front. If I can help you discover Jesus Christ. For me it was 36 years ago. It's been an incredible journey guys. And there's lots of people who can tell you. Including my wife. How imperfect I am. I'm just telling you. I'm not the same Dwayne I was 36 years ago. And I know this. I am a product of God's grace. I said it this morning in my face before God. God, I thank you for your incredible grace. Because without grace, I would be doomed to hell. I cannot be good enough to ever merit, God, ever merit God's favor. So for some of you, it may be trusting Jesus for the first time. Most of us here today, somewhere in our past can point to a time when we chose to follow Jesus. So my, my invitation of decision is this for you. If you look at your life and there are failures, are, have they been repented of? And by the way, if, if you're repented of it and you're doing it right now, you are sorry you didn't repent. Okay? You just need to understand that. If you would say, I did this and I turned, but I'm still doing it right now, that's not repentance. That might be remorse even, but it's not repentance. But as you see your failures, are there areas in your life that you have turned or you need to turn from? Have you done that? And so doing for the purpose of pleasing God, but also you know, the abundant life for you, yes, but for the sake of our country, for the sake of our community, for the sake of your grandchildren, your children, living a holy, godly life for the purpose of changing our world. Would you bow your heads right there, please? You know we've done the service just a little bit different by now. You realize this. We're going to receive the offering toward the end of the message, toward the end of the service, excuse me, after we have the Lord's Supper. And that's the other thing that's a little bit different today. About four times a year, we observe the Lord's Table, which we're going to do in just a moment. So what a perfect time for us to have a time of decision, um, a a time of, of maybe repentance, repentance for the first time, trusting Jesus as Savior, or repentance today of some things that's going on in your life are no wrong. And please understand, I'm not talking about everybody's, everybody doesn't have atomic bombs in their life. If I keep going back to that list, how's your heart? How's your attitudes? How's your tongue? How's your ears? What are you watching? What are you saying? How are you living? Look at your life in those areas. And if you're normal today, you'll probably find some areas that you probably need to turn from, need to repent of. Business practices, integrity. Huge character issues. Turn from that. Do business with God. Yes, it's the right thing to do. Yes, I do believe there will be some benefit from it because I think your life is going to be better. But the bottom line is this. I'm preaching this message for our culture because I truly believe God's shown me that as we, the people of God, will be a changed people, He can change our world. He is the God of the city. And there are greater things to be done in this city greater things to be done. If America will turn back to God, her greatest days, her greatest days, could be ahead. So, Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing right now your word. I pray, Father, to the Holy Spirit, acknowledging, as you taught us Jonah, is not the speaker, it's not how he speaks, or how long or short the message is. It is the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to speak to hearts today. If there's a friend here today who's never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, may today be that day. And, Father, all of us, probably most of us, speak to our hearts, Father. Show us areas where we need to turn from so we could be a really aggressively changed person that we might be used to change our world. Change our marriages, change our families, change our businesses, change everything around us through You. And I pray this, Jesus, in Your precious name. Amen.